The book from the Bible that we're going to be looking at over the next eight weeks is the book of Joshua. And if you know something about the book of Joshua, you know something about that part of the Old Testament, you know also that it is, say, could be thought of as being a, a, a book of the Bible that's just loaded with a lot of unpleasantries. Uh, warfare, violence, um, combat, uh, betrayal, and it, it, it is. There's a good amount of that in there, but there's always an underlying thread that I hope you'll be able to discover as we spend some time with Joshua over the next, over the next few weeks. It's really a story about some changes that took place, were taking place among the people of Israel. It's a story about the transitions from the uh, leadership of Moses who got the folks out of Egypt across the Sinai, lost his way, he wasn't such a good guy to ask directions, and finally uh, stood on the threshold of the Promised Land, and it took particular skill set to make that happen. But as we all know, the skill set that's required for this task may not be the skill set that's required for the next task. And so we get right here, the beginning of the book of Joshua, the transition moment. And God is talking to Joshua about his leadership. The first chapter and it looks like this. I'd like you to hear these words. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you a, and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses, your territory, will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from, the, from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Those were the words. Would you join with me in prayer? Almighty God, you have a way of bringing us out to the threshold, out to the, to the moments where choices need to be made and where you invite us to take that next step to move forward and to move forward in faith. And we're the ones who need encouragement, just indeed as Joshua did. And so we pray for receptiveness and an openness to hear those words, to know that the invitation is true and that your encouragement is all that we need. We pray in your holy name. Amen. If you're in a place of transition where you need to make some choices about uh, do, you, do, do you move forward, do you stay where you are, do you go backwards, 
I hope that you'll find in these upcoming chapters of Joshua over our next weeks encouraging and, and helpful and indeed hopeful words about how that happens in your life, how that will happen in the life of our faith community as Christ Church stands on the threshold of making some choices about what is our future going to be looking like. And those choices are, uh, there's a good number of them. It's not just about whom will we call as a pastor. There are some other choices connected to that as well. And I hope that you will indeed mark your calendars. Next Sunday, right after worship, we're going to be gathering in some roundtable conversations in the next room. At each table will be a member of the church council, a member of the call team. You're going to hear more about that invitation from a couple of folks a little bit later in our worship service because this is a clear, clear time of transition. If you're going to be involved in transitions, I expect that you would know that, you would enter that process with a couple of things in mind. Number one is prayer, that how we have the conversation with God about changes in our lives, about changes in our faith community, about how we move, move forward. That conversation takes place in the form of prayer, both speaking and, of course, listening to what God has to say to us. The second is this. It's another P word. It's people. Most of us know that if we're faced with transitions, changes, being able to do that not by ourselves is immensely helpful. We don't hear much about prayer in this part of the Old Testament. We know about uh, how the people of Israel listened to God and how Moses did that about the best that he could, but you also know Moses had some issues. He had kind of a temper. He got mad, uh, threw his stick, broke his stick, and demonstrated uh, a little bit of a a little bit of an edge when it came to paying attention to God. And he paid a price for that, and the price was that he didn't get invited to enter the, the promised land. And you can read all about that back in Deuteronomy, chapter 32, 33, and 34. That's one story. But here we are now, the first chapter of Joshua, transition moment. Joshua, the leader of the people of Israel, he's described in the reading from a few moments ago as an aide, an assistant to Moses. He's been well mentored. And for any of you who has ever worked with or for another person who has been your instructor, your mentor, you know this, that sometimes you get to learn as much about what not to do as you learn about what works best. Those are the gifts that Joshua carries to the conversation. They're on the threshold of the Jordan River. It's not a wide river, not quite that wide, but I'm sure it felt that way when they looked across. It's more of a, a, a slow-flowing stream where they are reputed to have crossed before they entered Jericho. It wouldn't have been too difficult to get across, but crossing it is not just a physical task, it's a symbolic task. Because once they go there, it's really not possible to go back. Right now, they could go back. Joshua could say, this is not such a good idea. So they stand here, and I'm thinking that they're asking questions. Is this the right thing to do? Is this really what we should do? You ever faced that situation? I think you have. All of us have. What's the choice for the future, and how do I get there? Or maybe you're a person who uses, instead of a question mark, an exclamation point. You say, we're there, let's go, charge. 
and you're on the way. I'd like to ask you to think about four features to that conversation, that, to that decision, that are a part of today's reading. The first is this. The folks are on the threshold. You ever been on the threshold of making a choice? You might be there today. There might be something to learn. I hope there is for you today from these words. The second, what about Moses? What did he bring us? What kind of leadership did he provide? What did we learn from Moses' leadership? And how do we cherish and honor the leadership of the past? The third is this. How do we make the shift? How does the transition happen from then, from then to now, from one leader to another? And how do we support and encourage that new leadership? And the fourth feature is this. How do we tell the story? Because the Moses story, which was a good story, is not going to be the Joshua story. The story of the, our life in the Exodus, our life up to this moment, is not going to be the same story that we get to tell from this point into the future. On the threshold. If you're standing at the bank of the river, or you're standing on the threshold of some kind of decision, you know what the choices are. Number one, you could decide to stay where you are. For those of us in the church, and especially for churches, for congregations, who are faced with making a choice, as Christ churches, into the future, sometimes it's very, very inviting simply to stay put. Don't do anything that looks too radical. Don't take too bold a step. But stay right here. In life of the church, it kind of looks like this. It's rather about just surviving. And so in the life of our congregation, this faith community, what we think about would be, do we have ushers on Sunday? Do we have hosts on Sunday? Is there coffee? Did the folders get prepared? Are the musicians prepared? And we go from week to week to week. And when we do that, if it's only a weekly exercise, you know what happens. Fairly soon we've discovered that we're doing this week what we did last week and the week before and the week before. And the future is here and the world around us has changed and the people who sit in church with us has changed and we haven't adapted We've stayed where we were. Or the second option around that is not to stay where one is, but to make a conscious effort to go backwards, to retreat, to go back where things were comfortable. Churches have a particular capacity to do that, to look where things had been the way that we liked them in the past, and to try to recreate that. It is absolutely no secret that mainline Protestantism, the church that has been a part of the landscape of the United States, the churches that have been a part of the landscape, in the religious landscape in the last 150 years have not figured out what the future is going to look like. They're diminishing in impact. They're diminishing in participation. And the, one of the results of that is that larger and larger numbers of people 
will make the claim that I'm very spiritual, but I'm not at all religious. That's the challenge that the church is facing. And it's not possible, well, it's possible, not healthy, to figure what did we do in the past that we cherished so much that we want to reclaim. And the sad fact is that's not working. It simply is not working because one cannot move this way and expect to be looking that way. We can be on the threshold. We've got the choices in front of us. And here we are in this faith community wanting to make some choices then about who this next leader is going to be, who's going to be standing in this place, being a part of the fabric of our life together. That's an invitation that's going to be coming to us in this moment of transition. The second possibility, the second feature of this, of facing these, uh, this change, is, uh, is this, cherishing the leadership of the past. Moses brought some skills. Now Joshua's skill set is going to be the one that's required. And as I pointed out, Moses did not do everything right. He simply did not. He was lost his temper. He argued with God. He claimed he couldn't do things. He tried to do too much. And finally, the uh, Israelites had to gather with him and have a very adult conversation, which was this, Moses, you can't do it all by yourself, and ended up appointing the 70 elders to help him with management and, and administration of this unruly group of people trying to make their way across the Sinai wilderness. Had that not happened, they probably would never have arrived at the threshold of the Promised Land but Moses, because of his disobedience, doesn't get to go in anyway. Moses had his problems. Every leader has her problems. Every pastor has his problems. And some other time, not on Sunday mornings, you call me and we can talk about those that I've had. I know what they are, at least from my perspective. They happen. They're a feature of who we are. And one of the greatest gifts that congregations can give that pastor is an understanding of their humanity. Yes, we all make mistakes, and we both, on, on either side of the equation, get to say, that's all right. We know how to get across the river even when the mistakes have been made. And so those niggling details that got to Moses simply won't go away for Moses, for Joshua, or for those in part as a part of this faith community. Christ Church has had a wonderful history of notable leadership over the years. And while I haven't only, I've only met Pastor Bob McIntyre, I haven't met uh, Pastor Dan Bruner or Pastor Mary Kate, who had such good years with you here in this congregation. But I know one thing because I can see the results. There was good leadership. That is something to be cherished, just as Joshua wanted to and the people of Israel cherished the gifts that Moses had brought. You, uh, you know better than I the experiences of the past that have gotten us out to this moment where we can say we're ready to move into the future and this is what it's going to be, look like, be looking like. The third feature of all of this, however, is adapting 
to what that leadership is going to look like. Adapting and making this transition to new leadership. I'm so privileged to be able to work with that group of people that's the call team, with the group of people uh, who are involved in leadership on the church council here, because those are the, that task of looking toward the future is what they've been working so well and so diligently to accomplish. And I, I can tell you that it's, uh, from my observation, that it's been, it has not been easy. It's taken a lot of conversation, a lot of empathy, a lot of understanding, a lot of listening, and a good amount of praying as these two groups of folks work to help get us out to the moment where this leadership transition can take place. The skill set that Moses needed to get these folks out of Egypt, to lead them or try to lead them for 40 years to the wilderness, to meet God on holy ground as Moses did on Sinai, to receive the Ten Commandments, include a skill set that's rather different from leading this ragtag band of people across the river into a land vaguely that was promised to them. I want to believe, and I do believe, that the skill set that was, was required to shape the ministry and the future of Christ Church in the past to get out to this moment in January 2011 is a skill set that is different than the skill set that will be required between 2011 and 15, 16 years from this day. It will look different. Moses had done an excellent job, and now Joshua is the one who has to step forward and help folks move into the future. It's a similar transition that we see in the Holy Gospel when Jesus issued that invitation to some other people to say, let's go into the future. A few of their names were Matthew and Andrew and Peter and James and John among those first disciples. Here's what God said to Joshua, those readings, those verses from that passage you heard just a few moments ago. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will, never, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and be courageous. In the fourth place, the narrative is changing and the story based on the same truths, based, based on the same truths, is going to be told differently. The narrative and the story of the first 40 years of the life of the people of Israel, having left Egypt, going through the wilderness, was one narrative based on God's faithfulness, based on God's continued to be with them, and based on Moses' leadership. That narrative is going to be, was different than the narrative going forward. It's the same thing here in the life of this faith community here at Christ Church. The story that we tell about how the congregation organized, about the energy, the vitality, the dynamic, the enthusiasm that was all a part of this faith community's life builds on, but it will not be the same narrative that we tell out into the days ahead. The narrative and the story 
will absolutely have to be different. Where Moses continued to tell the people of Israel, remain faithful in the face of every hardship, every trial, every crisis. And when you're hungry, you're thirsty, or threatened in any manner, always remain faithful, I will be with you. Moses kept saying that over and over, and the people kept saying, Moses, we don't want to be here. Why did you bring us here? Let's go back. And Moses' mantra was the same, always the same. Going forward, there's going to be six features to the new story, and it sounds like this. I brought you to this point, and I've given you the land. Number two, I have promised to be with you always, and I still am. Number three, you will inherit the land. You will go into the future. Number four, no one will be able to stand against you. Number five, I will always be with you. Number six, I will never forsake you. The enduring promises of God are the backdrop for how we tell the story and how we shape the narrative. It's clearly true that any vital congregation, any effective and well-functioning community of believers, if you ask folks in that faith community, what's the story that you have to tell about why you were here? What's the story you have to tell about this faith community? They will be able to tell it. I believe that we, all of us, must continue to shape the narrative and to be able to tell the story in a way that's authentic and meaningful and purposeful. And I'm starting to hear little vestiges, little snippets of what that story sounds like. And that for that, I am immensely grateful and very pleased that it's beginning to emerge in ways that I think are very, very refreshing. Joshua's transition is what we're going to be hearing a little bit more about in the coming weeks and how this group of people made a choice not to look back, not to stay where they were, but to move across the river. And remember, once again, just the name, Joshua. You just heard that name in another form around Christmas time. You shall name him Jesus, derived from the same Hebrew word Yeshua. You shall name him Jesus, derived from that name of the one who had led the people of Israel into the future. Please join with me in prayer. Sometimes, Lord, it seems scary, but we believe the promises that you gave to Moses, to Abraham, that you've given to all of your people throughout history, that as we stand on any threshold, we can move forward. We pray for the confidence, the wisdom, the trust to be able to do that. We pray on your holy name. Amen.